This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Christmas in July rolls on right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. And man, if we've been having fun so far, we're back with you once again. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my Kiss-loving friend, Chris Sinzak. Man, we love Kiss around here a whole lot, don't we? Yeah, season's greetings. Love it, man. It's been so much fun. I can't believe that we got to talk to Big John Hart last week. How cool was that? That was fun, and uh, we were excited to let to let everyone else hear that because he's so... Uh, there's not a big word like gymnasium I can think of, but he was so ever-present in photos and videos of the band right. from back in the day that it was nice to hear a voice behind the pictures. Yeah, totally cool. You know, in the stories, in the fact that first time ever on a podcast, you know, that's pretty, yeah. I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and we have a, uh, well, a guest today. He's never, I don't think he's ever been on a podcast, and next week is another, another guest we're excited about that has never been on a podcast. These are these are awesome. All these people that have come forward to help us out with Christmas yeah. in July to be awesome guests. Yes, past, present, and future. We thank you all so much. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I've got my cold gin. Well, yeah. actually, I guess I should say a fine IPA. <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink cold gin. I tried it once. It was awful. Oh, me too. Yeah. I'm sure all Kiss fans have probably had that moment and be like, wait a minute, cold gin, this is awful. If that's the only thing that keeps us together, <laughs> then I'm out. I'm out of here. <laughs> Well, we do have a little extra time this week, you know, and we've got so many people out there helping us all the time, so we thought we'd squeeze these in. Yeah, we got a couple of iTunes reviews. iTunes is about the best place to get the Decibel Geek podcast. I think that's probably where most people get it. It's so easy to do it. I just talked to a dude the other night. He said, I'll just do it on iTunes. I said, sounds great. Do yes. it. And getting great reviews. And we've gotten a bunch. We're going to try to squeeze in a couple today. And the first one I want to tell you about comes from a guy named Big Fat Penis. All righty. Sounds trustworthy to me. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> and the uh, his review says, Guys, thanks for the great interview with Desmond Child. I've been a KISS fan since 1976. I've been hoping for some KISS fans that I was hoping that Kiss some KISS fans would interview Desmond Child for years. And now the wait was worth it. And that comes from Jay. Cool. That's awesome. Good. Truth and advertising right there. Thank you, big fat peanut. <laughs> Somebody's gonna cut that out and save it, I'm sure. <laughs> I say that every morning. <laughs> All right, here's another one for you, and this one's very cool. All right, and this one comes from Fritzy, and he says, If you're a fan of hard rock and metal, if you know more trivia about music than your ESPN-addicted friends do about stick and ball sports and fantasy BS, you'll probably relate to these guys pretty darn well. I have a few friends I can sit around with and engage in deep discussion about all things Rat or Kiss or Rush or Crew or thrash metal bands spanning their entire careers, but my head is filled with useless hard rock and metal information. Hearing this podcast every week makes me feel like I'm almost normal. I truly enjoy these guys and look forward to new episodes every week. Thank you for flying the flag for all of us, and that's from Chris Fritz. How cool is that? Awesome. Very nice. We love your iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. Yes. They make us look important to the bigwigs and lets them know that hard rock and classic metal is alive and well in 2015. Oh, yeah, yeah it is. Let them know that we make you feel almost normal. We appreciate <laughs> that. Because <laughs> you guys make us feel almost normal, too. That's true. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's like a, a rejected Gene Simmons song. I'm almost normal. Almost normal. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's do Geeks of the Week for the week. These are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter last week's episode with John Hart. 
Good list this week. We've got yeah. James Geek, Steve True, Miguel Nunez, Tony Mann, Mike Tyler, Dave Shirt, Mark Anthony K, David Alpazar, Jerry DeLapp, Ace Scoble, Rachel Penn, Joe Lescon, Mike Stewart, Anthony Poole, Spicoli, Chad Wagner, Colin Francis, Justin A6, Sharky McStevenson. I love that. <laughs> David Wade, Mark Hatley, Aaron Baker, This Day in Metal, Miguel Dario, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe. Dan Chaput, Michael Bartley, Ian Wadley of Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Baco, Joseph C.M. Belly, Darren Parkin, Brian Knapp, Greg McGlone, Robin Bennett, Heavy Rock, Chris Karam, Elder Blues, Andrew Jacobs, Derek Novak, Wayne Cross, Mark Alden Taylor, Paul Stam, David Glenn, Susan Dufton, Keith Doyle, Wayne Newburn, Brent Walter, Shane Aber, Chad Pollock, Cobras and Fire, Paul Horn, Matt Severson, J Motown Drubber, Collins, Hoops, Podcasts are the Best, Sean Franklin, Jason Mayhar, Jason Thomas Broderick, Monty, Wayne Henderson, Viking Girl, Billy Hardaway, Terrence and Mark Experience, Jack Broad, TJ Cullen, The Mooger Fooger, Ooh, yeah. Paul Watson, Sven Isaacson, Alan Big Al Tate, Music Mags and Wax, Nick Rose, Joey Vancheri, Darren Hellowell, The Rockin' Donkey, All Over the Podcast, Love Gun 21, Bob Nash, Pep Pep, he's a cat. He even said that, that last episode was better than catnip. Awesome. There's a Twitter profile for a cat named Pep Pep. And Pep Pep loves the Decibel Geek podcast. Yeah, he wants us to interview Peter Chris. Totally. Robert Jackson and Brian Evans. Awesome. Those are our friends right there. Those are our people, and those are the people that have the back of the Decibel Geek podcast. You guys are what inspire us to do things like Kissmas in July. You're, yeah. you're the ones that inspire Chris to get out there and get in contact with guys like Big John Hart you know, and Desmond yeah. Child. And, and you guys keep this going. So thank you so much for everything you do in supporting us. So I guess we'll uh, get into today's guest. Some of you are probably thinking, who's Denny Smith? I don't know who that is because uh, he's, well, he's well known here around town. Yeah, for sure. And um, Denny fronts the featured artist this week that you heard at the intro, a band called The Great Affairs. Awesome band. A great band. And you'll hear their music throughout the show. And uh, I've known Denny for a long time and you'll hear a lot more about The Great Affairs as we get into the talk. But uh, Denny basically worked for Kiss uh, for the Butterfields auction years ago and also worked with them around the time of the Detroit Rock City premiere party. So, And he's got friends that still work for them to this day. So he's always told me, I've got Kiss stories and I'd love to come on. And he likes the show. So I was like, well, Kiss in July is coming up. What better place to do it? We can feature your music and get you on. And he's got such a great personality. He's a great guy. He's so much fun to talk to that, you know, it seemed like the perfect thing to do. Yeah, and this is, yes, there's talk about his stories working for the band, and you like those, but it's also just turned morphs into just a fun discussion of us talking all things Kiss, because we're all three fans. Right. So uh, this is a fun, laid-back episode. I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy it. There could be some controversy Uh, with a K. There's some pointed opinions throughout. maybe a little. We'll we'll let you decide. But they're just our opinions exactly so always remember that yeah so uh let's get into it this is our talk with denny smith so let's get into let's get into this um people heard your music at the intro you are the singer and writer one of the main writers for the great affairs that people heard on the intro and i've known you for a long time Yes, sir. Um, but we wanted to have you on this week in particular because you have a, a bit of a history with Kiss, and this is Kissmas in July, so it's it just made sense for this to be your week to come uh, on the show. It works for me, man. I'll, I'll, Plus, uh, it's another way to get people to hear your stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it takes. Whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. So tell me how, um, well, before we get into when you worked with them, how did you get into Kiss? Well, how old were you? Oh, uh, well, it's... 
what year was double platinum? 70, 78. 78. 78, okay. 78 yeah. uh, I would have been seven years old. Mm-hmm. So there's that bit of information out there for you. Um, my Uncle Don, I was the oldest of four kids, so my Uncle Don was the hip uncle yeah. that had the Sabbath collection and the Kiss collection. I, you know, Obviously, I'd seen Kiss. It was unavoidable at mm-hmm. that point in time. But he gave me, remember when the original pressing came out, it had that fake platinum award in it right. yeah well so he had my he put my name on it and gave it to me <laughs> nice and, uh, and i had no idea what it was i thought it was one of those records that you get out of like the cereal box yeah, I or amazing. so i tried to cut the <laughs> scissors to it and cut that thing out and man he he tore me a new one man i mean it was like it was it was an ugly scene when he realized what i'd done but i had i thought that's what it was i didn't i had no idea All and right. uh and it but it was several years before i was probably in you know, junior high mm-hmm. before I really got into the band. And then it was, you know, about the time I was 15 or so, I was, uh, I went back and bought everything. Like, you know, I started with the eighties. Yeah. Really, and then worked yeah. my way back. And, mm-hmm. and once I found the makeup era stuff, it was like, you know, I sealed the deal. Yeah. My yeah. eyes were, were wide open at that point. Right. Yeah. So how does one end up working with the group? Um, well, I, I was still, li- I was still living in central Illinois where I grew up. And uh, a buddy of mine, Shane Tassard, he plays in a band uh, with the uh, ex-Bullet Boys members now called Lives of Seat and Treachery. Mm-hmm. He had, I had sent him some demos. I was in a band called Love Shine at the time, and I had sent him some demos and some stuff. that they, We were more like a jellyfish type of power pop thing. Mm-hmm. But I had sent him these more pop punk demo things that I've been doing at home on my own. And he said, man, do you mind if we cover a couple of these songs if you're not going to use them? I said, yeah, that's cool. And that turned into, hey, man, would you mind flying out here mm-hmm. to L.A. and playing on some of this stuff? And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I will. I, don't, I had never even considered the possibility. At that point, I'd already opened my own record shop, and I was kind of tied up, you know, doing other stuff. And I'd kind of given up on the idea of doing the music thing, you know, as a career. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go. So my brother and I flew out there. And this is where the KISS thing comes into play. We ended up at... A&M Studios, uh, it's now Henson, but it was the very last day that it was under the A&M banner. Okay. They had sold it to Henson, and they had the flag at half-mast, and, everything. Oh, wow. and they were getting ready to clear stuff out. Yeah. But we were there that day, and I remember uh, there was a rap group called Delin- Delinquent Habits, I think they were called. They were on Capitol, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Camp was in there. Oh, yeah, his the record. crazy old MTV BJ. Yeah. He was in there wandering around. He was cool. Uh, but a funny story with that, too, was totally off the subject. But mm-hmm. uh, he he was, uh, my bass player, Brian, uh, he came out to, into the lobby, and, and Jesse Camp was making a phone call mm-hmm. in a completely regular voice. Yeah. Not, yeah. He was not using the thing. And, and we, so all our minds were blown, of course. Like, we had, didn't ever, yeah, no, we totally knew. But anyway, yeah. so we get to uh, A&M. We had done some tracks at... The first night I was there, we'd gone to a place called uh, Ocean Studios in, uh, not Ocean Way, but Ocean in Burbank. Mm-hmm. And we'd done some some drum tracks and basic tracks. And I, I uh, actually, let me, let me back up. First, we get out there and we did a single rehearsal and the producer, Ken Van Druden, came in. He's the, uh, he works for Lincoln, he's front of house for Lincoln Park now, he's the Lincoln Park sound guy. Great engineer. And he had a pretty decent track record at the time. So, and I had never done anything with a real producer. So I was like, well, whatever this guy says goes, but I had never been produced. And until you've done that, it's a very invasive, strange thing when your, your songs, you only know them this one way and then people are chopping them up and taking parts out. And, but we did the rehearsal and it was, it was weird. And it was kind of sprung on me that this, Hey, we want you to join the band thing, which is another awkward moment, but that does have nothing to do with kiss. So we'll just skip it. But so we go into ocean 
And I'd, all I'd brought was a bag of pedals, effects pedals, and a $300 Mexican Telecaster. And they're like, man, you can't <laughs> play that on this. You know, we're going to these, you know, million dollar studio stuff. You're going to have to use a real guitar. Mm-hmm. So when I showed up at Ocean uh, with my crappy guitar in the gig bag, there was a whole bunch of other guitars sitting there. And I didn't, I was like, oh, that's, am I, is it cool to use these? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we brought those in for you. Oh, nice. and there's a wall of amps and all kinds of crazy stuff. And we, you know, we went through some basic tracks, and these weren't really the keepers. We were just trying to get the drums and bass laid down. And then we were going the next day to A&M. Mm-hmm. So I never once thought to ask whose guitars are these or anything. But I go to A&M, and those same guitars are the next day. And there's a new wall of amps in there. And keep in mind, this is in 1990. When did Cycle Circus come out? 98. 98, okay. So they had just finished that that record and that was this is a I guess this would have been when they were touring because they were they were recutting they had recut Detroit Rock City the night before for a wrestling thing or something do you remember that they did God of Thunder Detroit Rock City oh that Rock was when City. that God of Thunder yeah. wrestler or that gene uh, wrestler thing okay yeah yeah that's and right. they were getting the ready demon. and they were doing uh, they did like but they ended up doing like three or four songs yeah they re-recorded some stuff for that WCW okay. right yeah because right. the demon Dale yeah. Torborg was so, the okay. yeah, yeah. yeah so they were doing they were bouncing they were doing some stuff at, at uh, A&M and then they were at this place called uh, Tone King in North Hollywood mm-hmm. I think is where the rest of it was done so that was the last place we went we went to three different places because that's only we were getting spec time we couldn't pay yeah, for these places but, but Ken get. could get these weird odd hours so we go in and I plugged in this I put this Les Paul into these amps and the tone was just like massive. I was like, "What? <laughs> Whose amps are these?" And they were. It was Tommy Thayer's guitar right, yeah, rig yeah. that they were using to mm-hmm. do some of this. They had used this on Psycho Circus. They were using it on some of these tracks. And uh, I was like, "And I, this is before." I mean, people kind of knew, obviously, but I mean, this was before it was coming out that you know these guys maybe didn't really play on all this stuff. Right. And, yeah. You know, everybody kind of suspected, but. So we plug in, play through all this stuff, go the next night, and and they had just done the these tracks at Tone King. That's where all the all those demos for Psycho Circus that Paul did mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Valentine on drums stuff that yeah. was all done there. That's that was like it must be his go to demo studio or something. But so we ended up playing using some of their guitars, mm-hmm. some of their. And there's even a, that disc of pictures I gave you. There's a picture in there if you look. I they got. Uh, uh, my buddy got me a Washburn deal later on. This is maybe a year or so past all this. Yeah. But there is, I didn't, it had a, I used shallow strap locks and uh-huh. it didn't have the shallow strap buttons on it. It had this other, whatever kind of, I can't remember what the hell they are now, but I didn't have a strap that fit it. And uh, so he just get, gave me the strap. It was one of Paul's. Oh, wow. So I don't have it. I had to give you some, man, I gotta, those are 600 bucks a piece, man. You gotta give me that back. Oh, it's <laughs> custom based, but it's trash. But you can yeah. see it in there. I was, man, I did everything in my power to keep that in that case oh. when I walked out of there. Oh, but, too. Uh, but yeah, it had, it had to go back. But um, And all these pictures that he's mentioning will be on the show notes for this on decibelgeek.com. If you say so, yes, they will. Yes. Yes, they will. So that, that whole thing led to um, the, shortly thereafter that was obviously the Detroit Rock City uh, film. Mm-hmm. Right, and they had the the premiere party, and that was right about the same. In fact, it was the exact same week that the auction was getting put together. Big Kiss auction yeah. thing was getting put together. So, I was out there for showcases or something. And at the time, and I was a, you know, I had my, I had this, I've got a record shop in Central Illinois, uh, Co-op Records in Pekin, and uh, we've been open for for a while at that point. I'd, I'd opened the shop just prior to 
to joining the band. So I was struggling, man. I mean, you don't open a record store and experience overnight success. In fact, if you do it now, you will experience no success. But <laughs> right. it's true. Um, Sad. Yeah. At the time, I was, you know, I was, I was broke, and uh, so my buddy that worked for them said, do you want to work at the warehouse for a couple of days? We need people to unload the trucks after the premiere party. Cause they did this big outdoor thing mm-hmm. for the premiere party. In fact, if you look real close, you can see my head on there. I had bright red hair at the time and they, the camera pans over. <laughs> couple, and I've got a really good story. That I don't know if anybody knows about that involving Paul, but I'll tell you that in a minute. Yeah, so, let's hear that. so we get hired for this to, he said, you want to work at the warehouse? And he said, and I said, yeah, sure. If I, you can get me a, a ride there in the morning, I'll, I'll come do it. So I got two days in at the warehouse and my job was essentially whatever they told us to do, you know, uh, unpack guitars. And this is the Kiss Warehouse. The Kiss Warehouse. They have these the two. Kiss Warehouse. The but this is the, but this is the 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 main one. And what we our job was is the auction company that was doing the uh, putting together the booklet and doing the actual auction itself. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do a walkthrough and an assessment of everything. They wanted to see the stuff because Kiss had presented them with photos, I guess, or told right. them what their inventory was basically. But they wanted to do a walkthrough and see all this stuff in person. Mm. So we had to take all, basically, did you ever go to the Kiss conventions? Yeah. Did you, remember they had all the I mannequins in the glass cases? Yeah, I remember seeing footage well, of that. They're, yeah. they're a blast. And it was, it was, I went to the one in St. Louis, it was super cool, but yeah. um, anyway, they still have all that, those glasses, those plexi yeah. things, you put them together, they kind of suction together and stuff. And uh, so we had to dress the mannequins. That was mm. our job. You had to oh, dress wow. Them. And, and I had this one freak out moment. I had to put Eric's uh, creatures costume on this mannequin. Wow. But there's, spandex you know a lot of that stuff was just straight spandex uh-huh. with like a little bedazzling right. stuff on or whatever fake fur and i they, but those mannequins if you ever I, this is the first time i've ever done this before but when you put them together there's like a little metal post that kind of stubs into them and that's uh-huh. what holds them so up that's stand, what yeah, yeah so they'll stand straight on those platforms and i'm like well, where does that go yeah, like, on you, know? Cause you can't put it up the yeah. leg you know you have to because it comes in at an angle and tommy worked for them at the time he uh-huh. wasn't yeah he in was, the band obviously right. And he was walking around in his khakis and stuff and looking all professional. And he's like, yeah, just take here. And he gets me a little exacto knife. He says, you just cut on the seam and just stick it through the seam. Oh, wow. And I'm like, you want me to cut into the... <laughs> I won't do it, sir. He, he's like, he's a man. He goes, I dressed these for however long it was for that, yeah, that tour. He's like, I dress these all. I've done it all the time. Just, just, just go ahead and do it. It's fine. Yeah. So I'm over there just like, you know, totally oh. panicked, man. And it was yeah. weird because the weirdest thing about the whole deal was I was the only one in that warehouse that cared because all these other dudes were working. It was all a bunch of, you know, band guys that right. had gotten brought in to do this. They, none of them were fans. I remember Uh-oh. somebody saying, ask Tommy if he was in a band and he goes, well, I used to be. And he's what band He's black and blue. And the guy's like, no, oh, not familiar. They didn't even, I mean, didn't even know. I had no idea who wow. he was. Wow. And they were, so they, they weren't fans. So I took out, I remember opening up the, the BC rich, uh, the cracked mirror, yeah, uh, Warlock oh. case and taking it out. Right. And well, I was in the eighties. Yeah, b- lost my shit, man. And I, I could not believe that this was. I was holding this thing, you know. Wow. And I started doing the, that horrible Paul Stanley solo from the Animalized Live <laughs> thing, the double finger tapping thing. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Who am I? And <laughs> no one even got it. I was like, ah, screw this bunch. And wow. I just started. So I, you gotta have a pick in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so either, yeah. <laughs> but it was just it was crazy because those cases. It's like, why is this was one like guy another... working so slow? You know, yeah. everybody else is moving good, but this no one, one guy has to stop stuff. and look at everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I did, man. Right, I like, I, totally. I opened up that Stein, the Steinberger guitar, the, oh, from the crazy Body Glove guitar. I was yeah. like, man, I hated this thing, but it's so cool. That, yeah. You know, it. But there was so much of that stuff. All those the weird, uh, those like a. Uh, those 
like they were the old warplane painted BC Rich straps oh, yeah. that he had that were like yeah. bolted together. Oh spots. yeah, yeah, I remember those. I was those? Like, I'd never seen them. You know, you never get a chance to handle that. I'd seen them in the, at the auctions and stuff. And right. some of that stuff. And pictures and metal edge and yeah, stuff yeah, like but that. You yeah. Never. I mean, the, I, holding like them and holding it. Yeah, some of it's like so. Even the costumes, man, that were so cheap. Like the old stuff, the leather stuff that yeah. was falling apart. Yeah, that was legit. But all that stuff in the eighties, it looked so cool in pictures. Yeah, and you pick it up like Paul's j- asylum jacket, that yellow asylum jacket. Oh, yeah, it was like, real thin fabric. It's, yeah, it's the it's yeah. the, the chintziest stuff. But it was just, it was still. <laughs> I mean, for me, I was having a real hard time keeping it together and just being cool. Well, yeah, right. way, you know? handling history. But know? nobody else, nobody else cared. And then on top of that, when they were going to do before the walkthrough. Um, the band, uh, Peter, for whatever reason, was not having anything to do with it. They didn't have really hardly anything of his set up except for they had a couple old kits. And then yeah. um, they were told we had to pull all, anything that was aces had to be pulled out and set aside. And there wasn't very much. A couple less Pauls that, that had to be pulled out. His stuff wasn't part of the auction. And then uh, Paul wanted to come through himself personally and pull a few things out that he wanted to keep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... We knew that he was coming. Right. Well, here's the kicker. This is after he. This is when he cut his hair for Phantom. And I had, it was bizarre, man, because it's it's one of these weird like slow motion movie moments where uh-huh. he comes in. This, <laughs> they, keep in mind this warehouse. Their warehouse is in a there. They it was a corner of the warehouse with a big garage door, like a uh-huh. double tall garage door, yeah. right? Well. You couldn't display this stuff in there because it was packed tight in that. What we did is we opened it up, and then the whole concourse that was all there was other stuff stored in this, which leads into another good Tommy Thayer story. Okay, probably the highlight of my day. It's basically, um, we're walking up on the greatest rummage sale of all time. Exactly, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it looked like because we took it, we dragged it all out, and we took. I remember we took the the flight cases for the plexiglass. Yeah. They came in sheets, and they sat in these uh, foam padded cases, and we took the tops of those off, and those were the bottom. We set them flat they're you know i don't know six feet long or seven feet long whatever mm-hmm. and then the, and the tops and each one of those had rows of guitars set up on guitar sets which by the way kiss sent somebody to guitar center hollywood to buy a hundred guitar stands that they promptly turned around and returned after we were done using them <laughs> oh. for this true story so even I, kiss I, does you that quote me on that. so <laughs> I'm, so the, I'm really holding back on that joke. But I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I've, I've got my uh, receipt. It's been too controversial of a week lately. Oh, uh, yeah, anything. I think I know where that was yeah, going. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Uh, but uh, So we set all this stuff up, and, and then we we dressed as many mannequins as we could. There were more costumes than there were mannequins, so some stuff had to get hung up on these crates that did not belong to Kiss. And uh, I don't know if I should tell this part. This might have to get cut out. You guys can decide, but Tommy... We were like, what do we do, you know? And first of all, I just got to mention that he did get up my ass one time, yelled at me because I set a still sealed, mind you, roll of duct tape, uh-huh. still wrapped in plastic, down on these one of these little silver booklets that were their browser books. They were real fancy. They were really nice in his defense. Mm-hmm. But I rolled tape down, and he just chewed me out, man, for setting that tape. You're going to get residue on that. And I'm like, dude, it's still in the plastic, man. <laughs> Like and everybody like, here, you should know better. I was like, you know? you're the I one guy. I said, but I, I got it, man. I picked it up and took it off. Well, then when we ran out of these mannequins to dress, we had all these jackets and stuff left over, a bunch of stuff from like, uh, like Crazy Nights, that Gene, that lizard jacket thing that Gene had. Oh, that oh was yeah. So cool. yeah. They wanted all that stuff on display, and it didn't really, really the costumes needed to go on the mannequins, but the '80s stuff didn't really need 
Yeah, not, some of the stuff did like this real spandexy stuff, but a but, lot of it was just clothes. Yeah, there were a lot of like jackets and, right. and and stuff that just didn't really, you know. So we just Tommy told us to take nails and tack them into those crates. These were big shipping crates. I don't know what was in it. it could have been dinosaurs in there for all I know. But there was these giant <laughs> shipping crates. So we tacked them up and we just and the warehouse manager, like the warehouse proper, yeah, uh-huh, came through and lit him up for because he's those don't, those don't belong to you. You can't be hammering nails into those you don't even know what's inside of those and like let him have it so I was like yeah. <laughs> get me out of me bub you actually did something wrong but um uh, there you go so, Mr. Khaki Spaceman <laughs> so so we put this we, we we got all this stuff together and it's and it's they're about ready for those guys to come do their walkthrough right and uh Paul showed up first and this is what was so weird is that he he comes walking through the warehouse and you know like the one of the garages up, so it's like real bright. This is gonna sound really hokey, like, <laughs> but it's like slow motion. I and it. I could tell it was him because because of, of the walk. You just knew it was him. It was yeah. the Paul Stanley walk. <laughs> but he's just wearing like a white. Paint is this shirt. like a Dudley Moore boat, Derek? Moot it kind of was. There was no one was jogging in slow motion. He was. It was more of a stride. There was there was it no was that dance. And not even a trot, but. He, but he was moving towards me, and it did seem like he was moving at a slower pace than he should have been. Uh-huh. But he was he was coming. That way, and I think Tommy was with him, or, or uh, one of the other guys, and uh, this laser came out of his eye. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he, but he had the, he just had slick back, uh-huh. short hair. He just like it looked like an old Italian guy or something. I was like, and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't look at him, man. I was like, I once he got close enough, I was you like, felt like you shouldn't be looking. Yeah, I was like, well, am I supposed to see him like that? I mean, what? Where's his? Where's his hair at, man? It was it was so bizarre to have never, you know. I mean, obviously, like on the elder, they had right. shortish hair, yeah. but not. I mean, not, this was short. Well, how short like, are we talking? It was, I mean, like shorter than Chris's, like shorter than about mine? the same, oh, about really? the same. Yeah, he had even super, in the back, super short. Yeah, wow, it was cut off in the back, everything. And then it was funny because they were playing the premiere party, and we were making jokes. We thought. And it looked kind of cool on him. Actually, it didn't. He didn't yeah. look bad, but we were. Yeah. But he, he sound checked, and my drummer at the time worked the sound check. He did cartage for it because he worked at uh, Third Encore in North Hollywood. So he brought some gear down for mm. what they were renting, and he said, "Man, I just watched uh, Kiss sound check, and Paul's not wearing a wig." And we're like, "No way, man! Is he going to come out and play like that tonight?" So we were taking bets, like, oh, to, you know, until the Kabuki drop. We're like, "Is he going to have?" But you could tell as soon as he walked out, they had the smoke and the. And the the backlighting yeah. yeah it was there was I, having seen him in person there was no way he had teased what i saw no. that, up, to, up to here that just was not gonna well, happen and i've noticed over the last few years he's just faced facts and just he'll he appears with short hair when he's not oh, wearing yeah. the makeup right. and, and then when they play he's got a wig on i don't I, yeah i think he's kind of like well the secret's out anyway well sure. that thing he's got now is a obviously he's had the you know the plugs the plugs done because yeah. you can uh. see it around it's real there's all kinds of telltale Little signs, and, and if you speaking look at of him, plugs, you can get the Great Affair CD through the link on that. <laughs> you can. Thought I would help you out. Thank you. Speaking You're giving us all plugs. these cool kiss stories. Uh, I, I forgot. I'm supposed to be here plugging my own stuff. Yeah. Sorry. And now, deep thoughts with Paul Stanley. Boo! 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 The only podcast getting snow blind in the middle of summer. It's Christmas in July on the Decibel Geek Podcast. It's so hard to feel right 
right. We're here having a real awesome time talking to Denny here today on the Decibel Geek Podcast, celebrating Christmas in July. And the music you're hearing is from his band, The Great Affairs. I'm sure The Great Affairs are available on Amazon, right? Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'll they make sure there's, there's links to everything for them on the yeah. show notes. All, as always, in yes. the show notes, Chris always puts the links to everything that you could ever want to know about within the confines of our show. And it's in there, and it's for you to be able to support the artists that we're trying to tell you about and the stuff we're talking about. You know, Kiss, you need it. It's Christmas in July. If you're going to get some stuff, you got to go to Amazon. And if you're going to go to Amazon, you got to go to decibelgeek.com and go through our Amazon link. Because what that's going to do, it's going to take you to Amazon just as if you'd gone straight to Amazon anyway. And anything you buy, Amazon is going to kick us back a little cashola on the side to help us keep the Decibel Geek running for free. Hey, we've been doing it for over four years. So far, so good. We're not totally broke yet, but we could always use a little help. (laughs) (laughs) And the great thing is, is a lot of people, a lot of our good listeners have really actually been taking, you know, part in this service for us Mm -hmm. and going through the Decibel Geek link and getting all kinds of cool stuff. And that's why we like to report the things that have been purchased. Yeah, these are some of the notable purchases from last week on Amazon. Uh, In the book section, Buffy the Vampire Slate... Vampire Slayer Season 9 Library Edition was bought. Um, wow. <laughs> in the computers, a bunch of stuff I can't pronounce, but thank you anyway. Right on. I'm just going to say that every week. <laughs> um, DVD, uh, ESPN Films 30 for 35th Five-Year Anniversary Collection Blu-ray. I lo- cool. Those are great documentaries. I do love those shows. Uh, like it is, yes, live at the Mesa Arts Center Blu-ray. Metal. We've got some serious Yes fans buying stuff through our Amazon link, so I appreciate that. Either that or they've got somebody, you know, they tricked somebody into using Decibel mm-hmm. Geek link. There's some good Yes stuff out there. You know, people are out there buying stuff like pull-ups, training pants for girls. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, In you the know, health section. It doesn't all have to be metal. You know, that's the beauty of it. Whatever you get helps us But maybe out. they're training pants with spikes on them or something. <laughs> they're Hello Kitty Kiss training pants. I was going to say, pants. there's another idea for Gene. Yeah. Come up with spiked uh, training pants. Uh, so he, he for, just dropped the cease and desist in the mail. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, in music, a thousand horses. This ain't no drunk dial. And smoke were bought. I haven't checked that band out. I need to. Hmm. Uh, it's the first I've ever heard of them. Do Holy Diver Live was bought. Oh, nice. Keith yes. Urban, John Cougar, John Deere, and John Three Sixteen was bought. What <laughs> a country a country song. Um, John Williams, the theme from Jurassic Park was bought. Okay. Hey, I'm happier buying anything. Through. Right, totally. Uh, the Cadillac 3 White Lightning was bought. I don't know what that is. Rubicon Cross, their self-titled album. We played them on one of the yeah, Fresh Blood episodes. I know what that is. That's awesome. Trouble Tribe, their self-titled album was bought. That's cool. And yes, 90215 was bought. What? We're gonna have to, are we going to have to do a uh, heavier side of yes al- uh, episode? <laughs> Is there a heavier side of yes? Sure. Okay, then maybe we could. Minute 7 through 15 of the song Roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if you like yes, more power to you. And rest in peace, yeah. Chris Squire. We just lost you. Great, great bass player. Totally. All right, so uh, we also got to talk about our friend Daryl over at HK Collectibles, Inc. Heck yeah, because he's got it going on over there with that awesome Amazon store. The best way to get there is to go through the website, decibelgeek.com. Go through our link. It'll take you right to him. Same as same deal as the otherwise. You go through him, it's going to help us out. Yep. So, you know, some talking about Christmas in July, there's some great stuff going on at HK Collectibles, Inc. in 
including some tickets from the Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Dynasty tours. He's also got some really killer Van Halen stuff, and they've launched their newest tour, and Daryl's got a bunch of the cool Van Halen swag, including an autographed Michael Anthony 8x10, a backstage pass from their 1984 Madison Square Garden, uh, and, oh, it's a pass, for, yeah, and an unused ticket to the Monsters of Rock show from 1988. Can you believe that? Where does this guy get this stuff? He gets some really cool stuff. He's also got a lot of super high-priced ones at uh, the Hard Rock Cafe in Vegas. Yeah. And some of these, because he's enjoyed getting the response that he's gotten from our listeners, he's taking some of those really more collectible ones from Vegas, and he's moving them into his Amazon store for you guys. Oh, totally cool. So you guys are making a difference. You can get it all yourselves by going to decibelgeek.com and clicking on the HK Collectibles Inc. link, and it's going to take you right to it. Do all your shopping through Amazon, and you're helping us out that way. We love you for doing it. Yeah, and we got uh, plenty more Kiss Talk to get to with Denny, so let's get back to that every weakness exploited suddenly in plain view if i could just find the melody out home to me sing you away sing you away sing you away but she hates the rolling stones she's still learning tells me the thrill is gone do you remember anything that Paul picked out that he wanted to keep? Oh, I do options? actually. Um, he pulled out uh, he pulled out a couple Gibson acoustics that look like they're almost brand new for his kid. I think he said, and then he had there was a Les Paul. There, I remember there were six. He took six guitars total. Oh, he took the very first Iceman. He wanted okay. the first one. He said he already had. He said he had the prototype at home. Mm-hmm. I think is if I remember correctly, and the, but he wanted the first production one. He had that. And then he had um, a couple other odd, just odd guitars that he pulled out. But it was to me, it was crazier what he didn't take. There were so many. There were there he was didn't a want bunch the of purple headband or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I didn't handle did that. You, I don't know. I, didn't, the, I never saw a purple headband. Did you see know. elder stuff though? I didn't. I didn't dress anything with an elder costume. Oh, okay. I don't remember if there were elder costumes or not. I know there was a there was a Vinny costume. Oh, tell us about that. Um, cheap. Yeah, the uh, creatures of the night. All the creature stuff was kind of. Well, they were really broke at the time. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, all the stuff through the '80s, all that stuff looked it was real flimsy too. Like I said, none of it was really pretty much beyond the first couple albums worth of stuff when they were doing like wearing actual leather. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff was just like it was you know knockoff. I suppose at that imitation. point you got to have it. It's got to look cool, but, but it's got to be lightweight. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah. and if I remember seeing on the first uh, or the very last touring Lollapalooza, they played in. Uh, Pecatonica, Illinois, which is basically Rockford, it, it, but they have a speedway there. Yeah. And it's, the only reason I wanted to go was the special guests were Cheap Trick mm. and uh, and then the Ramones. That was the Ramones' last tour, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah, that Lollapalooza. And, man, they came out, and those dudes were old at that point and played in the full-on mm-hmm. leather jackets. And it was, a, I mean, I had, I remember I had this, as embarrassing as this is, I had bib overall shorts on yeah and no shirt and i still wanted to die i just wanted to get to one of those shower tents i didn't yeah. care the entire day full and th- they came out in leather jackets and black <laughs> jeans and played there and i thought there's no way dude i don't know how i, I there's no way you could do that i can i can't do that in the dark under stage lights but i certainly could not do it no, I, and they were I so, kiss would probably not be here had, had they continued to wear Mm. You know, real leather because it just it doesn't breathe, man. All it yeah. does is just get really soggy and gross, right? And smell something horrible forever after that, pretty much. Mm. But um, so I get it. 
That said, I have never in my entire music career, nor will I ever, worn spandex. Uh-huh. So I applaud them for <laughs> having the, the stones to, to display said stones. How about neon green, neon green pleather jacket with fringes? Huh? You ever rock that? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a. I've got some pictures from. Yeah, I got a few suspect. Yeah. I got a few suspect pieces of apparel in my my closet, but uh, in his warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> so what if you were, only knew. What was Paul like when he was there? Um, honestly, I, I was kind of bummed out because he was a little. He was dismissive. I asked him one question and i got the i got the wave oh you know, he brushed me off and it was i wasn't asking him a question for me it was a legitimate question how to do those guitars mm-hmm. and um yeah because somebody had told me to do something and i couldn't hear him over some kind of noise and but he was standing right next to me and he just kind of oh you know just ask ask robert he did one of those kind of things and i was like mm. Mm. all right nice talking to you on the other hand gene mm-hmm. who i kind of expected to be not cool was couldn't have been any nicer, man. Yeah. Out of his way. Yeah. Talked to everybody. Made, you know, offer. They had like, you know, they'd set out like croissants or something for the, you know, people that were coming to do the walkthrough. Was offering those to people, doing card tricks and just completely mm. the most personable dude. You can see why he's been able to parlay what he has into uh-huh. so many thing. different you know, things. He's, he's yeah. obviously the, you know. He knows how to schmooze. He's, he's yeah. Yeah. He's definitely the glad hander of the group for sure. Right. So was he able to tell that you were the lone Kiss fan out of the group? No, because I was told specifically. And, don't mention and, it. Yeah. And I failed badly <laughs> at this. Um, do don't don't act like a what, what I'm trying to think. Fanboy. I was told to treat them like peers or something to that effect. Yeah. Do not don't germ out on these guys or you'll never work here again, kind of thing. So maybe those guys were all fans. They were just pretending to not be fans. But maybe. I'm pretty sure those guys weren't. No, nobody else working there. Was <laughs> Any guy's gonna get fired. Look at the way he's looking at yeah. that guitar. <laughs> he's drooling on yeah, everything. You know, it, was, it was hard too because all of those guitar cases, uh-huh. the the pockets and stuff inside of them all had picks from those eras and stuff from those tours. Wow. And I just wanted to clean those things like out. Yeah. And there was nobody supervising yeah. this. It wasn't like there were surveillance yeah. cameras around. I could I could take and, and I was like, man, I can't. Can't do it, man. Yeah, there was man all you look like of... you put on some weight since you got here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a guitar in your pants? You're just happy to see it. Would, but it would have been easy. I mean, they're guitar picks. I mean, I can, you can put them anywhere, you know? Is that but a the, headstock right. coming out of your pants? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Oh, geez. All right, so was it two days working in there? We did t- two days, and then the... I did the first day, and then the next... And then that night was the premiere thing. Mm-hmm. So the next day, we had to unload the truck. Which was an adventure. You get to see those fake cabinets up close, see what they're, mm-hmm. the which don't, they don't weigh anything. Yeah. Just that, you know. But the oh, so here's the. This is cool, and I see if you see if you guys ever noticed this before. But if you watch the, uh, they some of that premiere party, I think is on one of the Cassologies. Yeah, I've they seen show it. some. Of, mm-hmm. Well, they did. They I think it opened with Detroit Rock City, mm-hmm. and when they came out, this goes back to the cheap thing. But um, you know, Paul's real fond of grabbing the mic stand and. Bending it around, right. doing his thing, yeah. dropping down to his knees, and taking the mic stand with him. That doesn't always work so well in the real world. Uh, having, you know, if you've played enough clubs, you realize that those mic stands get worn out real quick. Yeah. So, you know, pre-show, you want to check on that and see just how durable and well-adjusted those things are. Well, apparently Paul or Paul's people did not do that because when they came out for Detroit Rock City, if you watch the video close enough now, mm-hmm. it's very cleverly edited. He ripped the top right off that mic stand. Oh, shit. And he's playing guitar, and they're yeah. filming. There's boom, 
arms everywhere and they're filming this thing. So he looks horrified, but he's trying to make it look like this thing is still attached. Right. And so he's playing guitar and he's kind of fretting the chords with his left hand and still holding this mic stand, looking around all panicked, like, is somebody going to please bring me a new mic stand? Yeah, he's And he basically out. had to do that all the way into the chorus. Really? Until he could drop that thing. Somebody got and somebody ran out and replaced it. Wow. But it was funny to, I mean, because you can't. It, it's a whole arm, boom arm coming down that's right. like yeah. severed from this thing. Right. And I mean, obviously, there's, I'm sure they had backups. Clearly, they did. They brought one out. But mm-hmm. what if they hadn't had one? You yeah. Know? <laughs> Hold that mic you know? all night. The whole time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the look on his face, even through the makeup, yeah, you could was tell. just sheer panic of like, oh, shit. What, what am I, I going do to now? do? <laughs> wow. Just um, snapped it off. So if you watch, I've watched it since when they aired it on VH1. Yeah. You could clearly see. You could still tell that it's not. Not it's not, not moving attached, correctly, yeah. but they cut it like to here, uh, so you can't see the the bottom of the mic stand. You can just see him, uh, you know, the uh, you know, close crop shot of him. But yeah. edit that out. <laughs> I got the impression watching that that uh, a lot of the people in the crowd were not fans. No, nah, it was a you had to have like a little invitation. It was just ticket industry thing, people. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I remember uh, Everclear played before them, mm-hmm. and uh, Robin Zander and and Rick Nielsen came out. And did uh, maybe they did surrender, surrender or something with yeah. them? But uh, we were standing in line to get uh, drinks. Shane and I were, and Eric Singer walked up behind us and asked Shane if he was the singer from Everclear. He had bleached hair, at the uh. hair at the time, and I don't know, but Shane was not very polite to him. Let's put it that way. Really? No, nah, man, I'm not this singer from you. Like, oh, he took it as an insult. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, he, and he looks nothing like him, you know, uh, but, but it was just one of those things where I think he thought maybe Eric was fucking with like cracking wise or something. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay. That's interesting that Eric Singer was at the Detroit Rock City premiere. Yeah. At least he, he got he, a pass. He was out of the band at the time. <laughs> they sent no, him a he, pass. You're missing, he was actually serving the drinks. He was, oh. no, no, <laughs> he was there handing out croissants. <laughs> <laughs> And there goes the chance of that anymore, guy. <laughs> but he got back to work soon thereafter, so it yeah. all worked yeah, out for yeah, him. All, did you? Well, did you have any interaction with the band during that that whole thing? No, not not really. Um, I, actually, I've only ever met I've met Paul and, and Gene via that, and I've also met I met them at the conventions too when they were doing the signing with the horribly disorganized signing thing that they had. And then um, I I met Peter in nineteen ninety. Four mm-hmm. at uh, in Burbank, California, at the Foundations Forum convention that used to remember that yeah concrete corner Foundations Forum stuff yeah uh, my boss at the time got invited to be a panelist on their uh, they were having a thing about basically the kind of the death of hair metal at the time like the labels dropping everybody mm-hmm. yeah and Bo Hill was on the panel and uh, Jerry Dixon Jerry Miller from uh, Metal, metal Edge, Edge is yeah. on there and um, and they were having these, he was in a part of the, this retail panel and they had a panel with those guys doing, and, um, and Peter was doing a signing and a Q and a thing that day. Mm-hmm. And he showed up and this is weird because, you know, it, uh, I'm glad you asked that. Cause it's, there was the thing for years. I've told people the story about him getting mugged mm-hmm. and it finally was in his book. He finally, I've never heard it mentioned again yeah. until his book came out like last year, whenever it came out yeah. and he talked about that him getting robbed of the ATM or whatever that had just happened. Oh, that was he, there. Yeah. It did not, not that day, but he had, like just prior to that, he was, he recovering was, he was apologizing. Cause he was saying that he was late. He's been running late. He's got, he's, I can't remember if he said he was on painkillers or something, but, um, 
that he had had to have some reconstructive stuff yeah. done because he's had his, I think he said his jaw or his cheek broken or something. Mm-hmm. And then I thought he was lying because he was just late because he was like 30 minutes late to this thing and they were yeah. all making cracking jokes about it. I think, I want to say it was, oh, it was the war, they called it the War Stories panel or something. And Gary Moon that was in Night Ranger for like five minutes, the singer that, when they were the power trio for one album. Wow. Yeah. You remember that? Uh-huh. He was on it. King Diamond was on it. Really? It was the weirdest bunch of people. And they had Peter Chris. And I was stoked. You know, I thought, oh, man, we meet Peter Chris. And uh, and then he showed up half hour late and they brush him in. And there's like 30 minutes left on this panel because then the room would turn over to something else. Right. And, and, uh, and he showed up and he told this story. And for years, I thought, bullshit, man. <laughs> that was just your excuse that you relate. And then in yeah. his book, he tells that story again. I was like, oh, maybe it, maybe it was there. Maybe, maybe he really did get beat up, you know. But he was signing autographs that later that day, and that was when he was pushing that Chris Cat One record was yeah, coming out. I remember that. And he, um, and I had seen him here on that tour in Me Nashville too. at Ace of Clubs. Is that where they played at? Oh, oh yeah. Actually, that was before. I saw the Bad Boys of Kiss show that him and Peter did. Him oh, and yeah, Ace that was did. later. Yeah, but yeah, yeah they, he did play Ace of Clubs like yeah. a couple of years before that. And I it, didn't go to that. I, well, he was. I didn't meet him at that, but yeah. I met at this thing. I did, and um, I was kind of sorry because he was a jerk. That's was, yeah, I, yeah. I heard it was a, that era. Anyone that met him during those early '90s years, I heard he was not very polite. Yeah, was really he was really scared. You guys were gonna mug him everywhere he goes. <laughs> he, was behind, he was behind a table. He had a sharpie. I, I was unarmed. Well, he had these pre-signed eight by tens. I still got it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had these pre-signed eight by tens, and I remember um, my boss had a son. It was a you know little little kid at the time named Taylor, and he said, "Hey, could you please sign this to Taylor?" Yeah, and he said, "No, I'm not doing that, man." Oh, completely just, and he had a Sharpie and I saw the Sharpie playing his day in his hand. And he's like, no, we're not doing that. Just, you know, you gotta, you gotta just keep take going. One, and huh? it was, man, let me tell you, this, <clears throat> there were not 150 people in line. I'm talking, there were like 30 people in line. He had yeah. all the time in the world to sign this thing. Mm. And it's like, you know, look, I'm a guy that operates and have operated for the entirety of my career at the very <laughs> bottom rungs of the ladder. Yeah. And I know that you don't, treat people that way mm. and not that when you get to the top that's an excuse to do it right but there are there are things that sometimes you're busy and that's just the reality and, and you don't have time to stop and sign everything well it wasn't like he that. caught peter chris in the men's room yeah. or anything i mean he's at he a was booth there to with, promote a, the stand yeah. with a stack of these yeah. pictures like, and couldn't on, be bothered to write to Taylor. And then after reading Paul's book, now I wonder if maybe he just couldn't spell it, but, um, <laughs> he, it, but he, but he totally did not. <laughs> Talisman. He, uh, <laughs> but he couldn't, he couldn't take the time to jot that on there. It's like, it was just, it was just, that to me, lame. it was really dismissive and, and unnecessarily rude. And, yeah. I, and I never had, I wasn't, you know, I was always a Paul guy anyway, so yeah. it wasn't like he just destroyed my my vision of Kiss or anything. But it was really disappointing, you know. Just he, as a human, it was disappointing. I mean, know? that is shitty because that Taylor kid could have grown up to be the biggest Peter Chris fan there ever could yeah. be, you know, and defend him to well, this his, day. Well, his dad's record store is called Shandy's. Yeah, you know the, yeah. the logo is a is a dog with a that was their dog with a star painted on its eye. I mean, that this guy is a a huge kiss collector and his kid yeah. at, in turn is a, is a kiss fan too. And wow. it was really a lame thing to do. And I, and I, and I you know, I'd always heard he, there's a ton of negative Peter convention stories, like from the, yeah. you know, the, the independent kiss conventions where he's kind of dicked out. Right. But, uh, man, dude, that was just that to bummer. see it firsthand. Yeah, I was like, and I, and I was behind Bob in line and, and I was like, 
well, I guess I know what I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to, I'll just take my picture and, yeah, you know, say hey and walk on, you know. It was just, it was really, really mm. just shitty. You know? Yeah. Shitty. But so, we'll go back to the, the auction thing. I know, but tell us a little bit about more like some of the stuff that you, you actually oh, saw. Oh, God, man. They had, they had a, they had, if you look at some of those pictures, you can see a little bit of it, but they had the, the red Eric, the Crazy Nights drum kit uh-huh. with the yeah. symbols on it and stuff. Car oh, yeah. And it j- just, when you walked, that was the first thing you saw in the warehouse because you looked at the, the racks that went up the back wall. That was the top level was these cardboard boxes and those drums were poking out of them, which I thought was bizarre. They weren't even in road cases. I was like, how do you not have that stuff just stored in yeah. car? They're just poking out. Just well, like all this stuff is weird stuff. to me. Like you get done with the tour and you take off your dragon leather jacket and be like, go put this in the warehouse. Yeah. You know, well, does somebody come around and collect that stuff well, at the end was, of the tour? Or how does that work? Maybe I they have like wardrobe. I mean, they had, that was, I thought it was, I guess I never thought about this. It never occurred to me before that bands would travel with this, but they had a washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were, I well, guess I they travel with that stuff. So maybe their wardrobe just goes. They put their street clothes on, and their wardrobe goes in the thing. And well, there's there's a photo on those reels, and you'll see it. They had um, there's a row of Ace shoulder pads, brand new, never worn at the time, um, in, in like plastic wrapped up like they're from a dry cleaner. From like oh, Psycho right. Circus Hero. They, I think that's what they're from. And there's yeah. a whole row of them just sitting there hanging on the thing i mean in case they needed them yeah they had wow. they had tons of stuff i mean they, and at the time too it was weird the very first time i went there and i think when the auction was going on it was still there because we didn't take all this stuff out but gene was building that house that the giant house yeah. that he lives in so the contents of his other office i guess they were in between they were still moving or something but the contents of his office were in there too so there's all kinds of odd stuff i remember i saw uh and i don't know if they were jeans but they were ozone monday I remember Dat them. tapes, the Skid Row thing. Yeah, they and, opened for Kiss on. Yeah, they were. The I thought they. Were, I was. I thought they were like a VHS tapes, but they were like. I think they were Dats that they yeah. were like demos or something. <laughs> that tapes. But there were just like all kinds of random stuff like that uh, piled up. Yeah. You know, and it was turns out it was Gene's office stuff that they had kind of pushed mm-hmm. into one corner that he was. Yeah. But there was like all kinds of framed. Um, memorabilia oh. and yeah, <laughs> I did not see the book. Be if thankful I, for if I had, that. yeah, if I had, I would not speak of it. But um, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of weird, random stuff, and it was cool too because um, that you know, a lot of the stuff that they had in there. I mean, some of it was in pretty rough shape. If you see the auction book, you can tell a lot of that stuff was was pretty pretty well beat to shit. But they, you know, they they uh. They dragged it all out, man. It didn't matter what. If it was a, a cooler that had Kiss stenciled on it, that yeah. got dragged out. What about, like, stage pieces? Like props? That, um, that there's another warehouse. They have a second warehouse. because, And I didn't know that, uh, but um, I heard Paul ask where the rest of his guitars were, and somebody said they're at the other warehouse. They have another warehouse, um, and a lot of that stuff is stored apparently outside, like in box, like a... Like semi trailer yeah. boxes and stuff, like where they. So, yeah. um, at one point, I guess when they're, I mean, they, because you know, they've obviously recycled, they recycle that stuff a lot, mm-hmm. which is why they have problems like uh, Paul's flying rig failing yeah. at shows and Gene's flying rig failing at shows because they try and use that stuff until over the over. wheels fall off, kind yeah. of thing. Until but, somebody's um, stuck hanging 50 feet in the air. Well, one thing sideways. is like the, the, um, 
the thing that descends from the rafters when they do their entrance on tours. Yeah. Like they did it for the farewell tour. You know, they came down on that yeah. little circular thing. It's the same one they used for the animalized tour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they'd go up the stairs and then come back down. Right. Like, like little diamond. platform thing with the, yeah. the trampoline okay. or something. That's the yeah. same piece. Yeah. Wow. But you can't recycle those motors forever. Right. Well, they're going to wear out. Yeah. And that stuff's going to go wrong and, and hopefully it, it you know doesn't go wrong to the you know. But there's always questions about what happened to like Sam T. Serpent that was on the stage. You know, the the big. Oh serpent. I, yeah, I don't know. I never, uh, I didn't see anything like that. Or the tank stage, or you yeah. know, uh, I, they probably sold it for scrap. What, that's so depressing. I, but you know, what? <laughs> I, I did have a, a friend that worked for them at one point said, "Hey, do you want to buy the Statue of Liberty from Revenge?" Oh, wow. <laughs> he, said, he said it's just outside. The pieces of that are just outside. They're like laying, oh, wow. like literally laying out. That would have been cool place. to have a piece of that. Though. So I mean, you know, like, when I'm you drive by build like a, a house around this thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, think about you drive by like a shipping yard, yeah. and you just see all that. Right, stuff, all and that's, it's junk. the same kind yeah. of thing, man. Well, just, to them, it's, it's got to go some because those are huge junk. set pieces, you right? Know, well, yeah, somebody has to do something with it. Yeah, you can't break it down to, I mean, uh, short of just literally just dissembling it to nothing and just. I would just want the mechanical pile, hand yeah. that would flip the bird. Yeah. yeah. Put that in the back of my truck. <laughs> Set it up in the back of your truck. That's what I'm saying. Somebody tailgate Push you too a button, much. yeah. <laughs> Play the Star Spangled Banner as loud as you yeah, can. Yeah, exactly. America. So why were they taking Ace's stuff aside? Was he not selling that, or was well, that something that had to be done legal. separately? Yeah, I think it's legal probably. I mean, I don't know what their terms of those contracts were, but I know that um, I think Ace possibly was a little more skillful in his negotiations of, mm-hmm. you know, his, I think the terms were a little, I mean, I, I think that comes up in Peter's book too, but I think uh, maybe he had a little more in terms of, you know, rights to that stuff. Than, yeah. I think Peter's stuff was kind of like the band's stuff they they bought it so it was theirs kind yeah, of thing right whereas ace had his own endorsements and his own mm-hmm. and he kind of hand i think he just handled his stuff better i think he was a little more a little sharper about it i, mean, I don't know i'm not trying to crack on peter really so much i don't i don't know the dude outside of you know a couple of little you know interactions but it, it always seemed like ace i mean even you know when the band split and this is a bonehead move on ace's part you know he took a payout initially mm-hmm. and just said look you just give me this and i'm gonna go yeah and i don't want anything more to do with this which you know in the long run obviously was not you probably the sm- smartest decision you know peter at least held a uh, stake in the band for a while but yeah. yeah you know um i think maybe ace learned from that and just when he came back said look i'm gonna i'm gonna you know i'll take a salary myself, but you're gonna i'm gonna make sure i get this this and this too so you know and those are probably it's it, it was none of the vintage, there was no vintage Ace stuff there. No, really? so, short of costumes. When Ace left the band, Ace took his gear, like his guitars and stuff. Yeah. That went with him. That stuff did not stay with the band. Mm-hmm. Whereas it clearly some of Peter's stuff did because there were old, old kits. They're old kits. And I know stuff they there. had the Alive kit because they used yeah. to display yeah. it. That's crazy. So, so I guess when Ace originally left the band, he must have went through the warehouse himself and said, "Give me my he shit." Probably did. Yeah, I'm sure Give he packed my shit, up Curly. and he sent somebody to do it for him. Yeah. But yeah, and because there's like been, um, you know, I remember the years before this, like they, you know, I guess back in the 90s, they didn't even, earlier in the 90s, they had to reclaim a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there's that video. There's video yeah. on YouTube of them and storming that. From convention. what I've heard, oh, yeah. like Bill Coin used to pay the rent on that uh, warehouse when he was still managing them. And then when he stopped managing them, he told the guys, he's like, well, 
I'm not managing you anymore. So if you want to keep doing the payments on this, you're going to have to take them over. And apparently they just ignored it. Wow. That sounds about right. And then a bunch <clears> of the <throat> contents got sold off. And then Kiss, Gene and Paul show up at a convention and go, yeah. this is yeah. our stuff. I remember that. Well, and they've been robbed since. Paul had guitars stolen from that other warehouse a few years back, too. Oh, really? But they got them. They found them. They got them back. But mm. they had stuff. Because it, it was one of those weird things where that, um, you know, if you're going to steal that stuff, one, I mean, how do you not know these are Paul Stanley's guitars? Right. Got, I'm sure they have Kiss stenciled on the case and stuff. Sure. And they're, yeah, and he's and he's plays some pretty signature instruments. So anybody that's dealing in that stuff in a store is going to know. know what they've got. So I think the stuff ended up on eBay or something. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes it that's pretty how they easy to pick and, Yeah, and it's yeah. not real hard to find the moron behind that. So they, they ended up getting the guy, and they got most, if not all, of that stuff back. But um, right. that's good. I mean, it too, it, like I said, that was a community warehouse. They had a garage door with a keypad and a lock and all the stuff that you would have in a warehouse. But they're not the only ones using that warehouse. There were shipping companies. There were trucks backed up to it. So people were so walking if, around yeah, it all the time. If somebody wanted to get in that space, I mean, I don't know how hard it would be, and I don't know what the response time is, but, I mean, it is Los Angeles. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you might get a few <laughs> yeah. things out the door before somebody shows Reclaiming up. Reclaiming you know? a demon costume is not high on the cop's priority <laughs> list. Like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> where, where, where do we start? Yeah. You know? yeah. Jesus. If I get it back, can I put it on, get my picture taken with it, before I have to give it back to you? Call us back when Madonna loses a costume. <laughs> <laughs> you just put your nose in the air for that one, though. Mm. <laughs> oh man! So, um, well, the Vinny, did you only see Vinny's creatures costume? Was there? I, I remember correctly, that was it. There were no Vinny guitars. There was no. There was very little trace of anything Vinny there yeah. uh, as far as I recall um, there was a lot of weird stuff too that we couldn't really go through because they didn't just sell like it wasn't just gear I mean they had, they had a um, lot of stuff a tons of photos uh, lyrics weird posters uh, yeah just random stuff like that they they framed and mattered all kinds of crazy stuff I mean they I can't even imagine what they spent on frames. just on that yeah. I mean because it was all done really well yeah. and they had I mean mounds of that stuff and we didn't even for the auction, we didn't even handle that. That was all, that's what those photo books were for. That's yeah. so they could see what it all looked like. That was stored somewhere else that it was already put together and stored somewhere else. But, um, and they were just doing that a little bit at a time, I think, as they went, cause they planned this thing for, for quite a while and they would just do those in batches. And there was all kinds of, you know, stamps, kiss stamps that were never issued and just mm, like wow. prototype thing. There was a lot of one, there was a really cool, I did see one really cool thing and I don't know if this made the auction or not, but, um, there was the original, photos for lick it up for the cover mm-hmm. oh, with, with the make with their notes where they wanted vinnie airbrushed they wanted vinnie's adam's apple airbrushed really they wanted really? his hair because he's those pictures don't it doesn't really look like that yeah and, and well he wore a wig on the cover for that yeah it's but they touched a lot it was there's a lot of stuff touched up on that right. picture and they were like some of them they wanted like like if you look at you know animalize is a mm-hmm. that's a Photoshop job right the like back back cover the of arms are yeah all their arms yeah. Yeah. yeah the lick it up cover is kind of the same thing not to the same mm-hmm. extreme degree but they did it was it's clearly you know Gene has a very very identifiable handwriting yeah right. and it says right on there uh, Adam's apple too large. It had all what? these weird notes and stuff circled. It was, and Vinny was that's so strange. Was, was mutilated with Sharpie. It was almost all Vinny, and there were a couple things about everybody else, like little things. Oh my uh, God, that like, poor guy! No wonder he's insane. <laughs> Jeez. 
You know, and you hear those funny stories about Vinnie Vincent wearing dresses and stuff, and you wonder where that damn stuff starts. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it all started because somebody thought my Adam's apple was too big, There's and no then look how far it goes. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, That's man. crazy. Well, Vinny's got one defender, at least, so there we go. Oh, wow. we're both well, fans. Well, you know. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, all these times of talking about Vinny Vincent makes me almost realize that he was probably a normal, decent guy at one time until he ran across those two dudes. That's a, that's a that's a theory we have, and they messed him up because it, it, he definitely was different after he worked with those. Oh dudes. god, yeah. I, I mean, mean good god, if somebody used to, oh, your Adam Adam's apple is too big. <laughs> I mean, what you're gonna get a complex on that after a while, right? I mean. <laughs> All these things that you're born with are imperfect and not good enough. I mean, yeah, you're not an Adonis like Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh man! Wow. And uh, you know, we're all Kiss fans, and all of you listening are Kiss fans. So it's yeah. the way I view oh, yeah. it. If, if you can't laugh at Kiss, then you're not really a fan. Yeah. I mean, it's you're one of those other kinds of Kiss point. fans. Yeah. I'm the not, ones that you kind of. Yeah, arms linked. Those those people. Luckily, yeah. we do defend Vinnie Vincent a little bit, so we're immune. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's they no there's no out. hacking on the guy. <laughs> you can't deny the guy's talent. Yeah, for sure. Oh, an amazing um, talent. Uh, you know, his business acumen. Oh, that's can that's be picked different. apart for days. That's right. a case study in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> it makes me wonder if some of that stuff is like, if I do this, will Gene be impressed? Like, no, Gene wasn't impressed with that. <laughs> Gene know. doesn't actually steal. Right. He just gets you to give him. Right. Money for no good reason. Ace, or Vinny rather, actually blatantly steals things, actually advertises things that he has no right. intention of ever delivering. That's true. So, you know, although I would love to meet, does it, do either of you have the uh, infamous the box, box set, set well, can? No, no. Nope. Oh, you mean the, no, the paint can thing never came out. Well, there was a picture. Somebody posted there was, a picture. There was a it. box of cassettes that, yeah. that was empty that somebody bought on oh. eBay. Oh, no. That and really actually, that, well, if I'm remembering right, I think it was my friend Earl who does the Inappropriate Earl show. Really? Yeah, he had ordered the box set, and he got he was sent the empty cassette case, and he still has it. You're kidding me? Mm-mm. With no cassettes in it. No cassettes in it. Though. Unreal. Yeah, that's, but he got more just, than that. That is just straight yeah. unscrupulous. That is that right. is just altogether wrong. There's no defending that. Like Gene Simmons, get your money, you'd be happy to give it to him. You know, that's I've not gotten, stealing. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten certain albums that I kind of wished were empty later, but right. yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> but there was a product in it. Right. But no, I mean, yeah, Vinny did not deliver on any of those. From what I from no, what there's I that the last thing. What was that weird CD release that he had? Not the Euphoria thing, but the thing after that was Speedball Jam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What the hell is that? It's, a, it's, it's an hour of him just jerking off his way? guitar. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's a, like recorded on a boombox or yeah. something. It's yeah. appropriately titled, though. Speedball you know? Jam. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. Did he shoot up? Somebody did a bunch of cocaine yeah. and yeah. grabbed a guitar and wailed on it for an hour. I, I think it's just him warming up and it's just little dribs and drabs. Did he actually music. release that himself? Yes. That's insane. Yeah. People bought it. That's insane. People bought it. And I know when Euphoria came, I don't know if he did it for Speedball Jam, but when Euphoria came out, he was doing the convention circuit and he would make whoever was running the sound booth play his album, only his album, (laughs) over and over and over again. And like, People would go to the sound man throughout the day and beg him, please play something else. Because yeah, it was what five, six songs. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a, like it's man, I can't quick. get that song stuck out of my head. Which song? You know the one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. They're not even really. It's not his best work. So either, if you're there so. for an hour, you've heard the the album three times. Oh man. You know. 
I don't care how good it is. You don't want to hear something that much. No, it which seems is a little which much. Which song on the first record that has the the loop at the end that goes on? It sounds like a siren. That's called Invasion. Oh yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that the song? Is it Invasion? Yeah, that's the song? yeah. That's the, the, Why don't you just play that loop? Yeah, that's that's about as maddening as listening to Euphoria for you know five hours on end. I, mean, yeah, I can't. Yeah. What's the logic behind that? I mean, I, I get you're trying to sell your product. Somebody after will buy it. You don't Kiss need to buy it now. Buy it's already it, you know? ingrained in your mind. You've heard it for, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, but, you know, that's Kiss fans, and you know as well as I do, you know, we mm. at, at a certain time, at least anyway, we wanted everything that there was to be True. get your that you could get your hands on. Oh, I still geeked out today. I saw a vinyl copy of the best of the solo albums, and I never owned that when I was a oh, kid. Nice. I always wanted that. And I almost bought it. They had it at the flea market today for 15 bucks, and I thought. Oh, that's not bad at I all. I know. It's a good price. You I didn't buy it? No. Damn, dude! I would have bought it for twenty from you. I don't need. I know. I don't. I, I've got to that point in my life where I'm like, I don't need that. I don't yeah. need that. You know, where am I going to put it? Yeah. In the in the pile of other five hundred things I bought in the last two years, I haven't had a chance to listen to on vinyl yet. Yeah. So I just, I, you know, I walked away from it. But so to get back to the the working for them was the the auction that experienced the extent, or was there more after that? Or no, I mean, I've I've like I said, I've got friends that still work for them. Uh, uh, two or three people that that work for them. Uh, so, you know, off and on, I, I, you know, I hear things and stuff. I don't, I don't have any, you know, I'm not, a, I don't have a paid position with the band. That's for sure. And I don't know that I want one, man, because that just that little bit of it, seeing this, you know, you're, it's the, that's the, you know, Wizard of Oz thing, man. I don't yeah, want right. to see behind the curtain too much, man. I already, and now it's, especially in the, the digital age, everything is out there and, you know, yeah. they've all written their books. And you, so you, now you can weigh all four perspectives and mm-hmm. try and determine, you know, what percentage of all of it is bullshit and then, you know, narrow it down to the, what seems like a reasonable truth. It's, it's weird. Cause I, I mean, that was, I mean, I won't say they're my favorite band these days, but there was a good 10 year period, man, where that was everything, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, I, I could you. very easily join a tribute band and been, happy as a pig and shit you mm-hmm. know just playing those songs and, and nothing else but yeah uh you know it's just but, but it's weird you, you you know you you meet these guys you you meet people that work for them and you see i mean i don't want to go off on this whole thing about you know because we could spend an hour just talking about what they're doing to themselves now as far as the legacy and stuff goes but i'm bummed out Mm. with them as as a band these days what in particular bummed you out well that it does that they're trotting it out with paul's voice in the shape that it's in and and yeah believe me man i'm the i i hold him in in very high regard i thought he's i thought he was one of those guys like you know steven tyler or robin zander that was going to be bulletproof and they were going to have the pipes to the end right and whatever turn he took that he maybe he didn't stop and address it soon enough yeah uh but whatever happened, it's it's not gonna it's it, they're not gonna fix it now. It's it's not fixable. No, it's not. And and there's you know honestly, I think you know, and there's theories because he's he's admitted that he's had surgery done, but he's never a hundred percent cleared up what happened. But my theory on this is he did have the surgery done on the vocal nodes, mm-hmm. and if you know the the story about Julie Andrews from the seventies, from the woman in the sound of music, you know, amazing singing voice. She wound up getting those, that vocal surgery to fix something wrong with her. And they botched it because it's a very delicate surgery. And if one thing is not done correctly, it will ruin the person's voice. I fear that that's what happened was he got the surgery and it, it did not fix it. And in fact, it made it worse. 
Hmm. That's a theory. I don't know. It's that a shame. Right. You know? I mean, it, it would make perfect sense. I mean, cause it's 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 weird because the it seems like it was damn near overnight, man. Because you you know you heard it on Sonic Boom. It was clear that there was something. I started hearing things in two thousand four. Like really? when, yeah, when they were doing the Rock the Nation tour. If you listen to some of those instant lives, oh, you'll wow. you'll hear the strain on on certain things. But I don't know. I on it when I my theory about the surgery thing. I think it has to be something that he can't go back and fix because if anyone is a perfectionist in music, oh, yeah, yeah. it's Paul yeah. Stanley. He's and if anyone could right. fix it, it would be yeah, him. Yeah, undoubtedly that would be... I mean, he's entirely too vain to Well, I go to back keep, and that's, forth. That's why, that's why I don't see how he can go out and do what he's doing because he is so... I think it's a pride thing at this point. Yeah. I just think he's just like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to go out there and do it. Well, can't we just get a new star child and dress him up like Paul Stanley? It'll and happen. Put him out there I'm on sure the stage with happen. the other guys? Well, there's, I mean, there's some fans that, that would say... You know, you talk about Peter not being up to the job. Well, look at look in the mirror. That yeah, yeah that, that is. Uh, I've heard that said a couple times, and, and every time it's like, man, that just is. It's just too true, man. It it's, is true because it, it's it really is unfair to hack on those other guys for their. You know, I mean, look, people get old, man, and things start to fail. Sure, and and you, it's it's hard to determine. I mean, there's obvious things. Your mobility is, you know, is going to deteriorate yeah everything these are things that just it's just part of aging sure but you know for whatever reason you know you put a new head of hair on you but once that's gone once that your pipes are gone yeah you know and that surgery the other thing about that too is if, if he did have that done you know you can only do that so many times even if mm-hmm. they were to go back and try and readdress it yeah it's not always if, fixable yeah sometimes once that scar tissue builds up he keeps you know you go and go and go on top of an injury yeah, you can you, you can know. just keep damaging it worse. You yeah. know, and just think about the way Paul Stanley sings and the way he sang for so many years. Or talks you know. between songs. Right, yeah. you know, yeah. and you, you think about it, you listen to it, you enjoy it, you love it, and but you do you ever stop and think about, try to sing some of those songs one time, just sitting by yourself yeah. in a room. No, my try throat hurts try to bust out it. some Paul Stanley vocals, you know, yeah. even if you're in front of a mirror by yourself, well, and feel how bad, you know, how much that, yeah. that takes a toll on yeah. you, just doing it one time by yourself, let alone... Every night for how many years? Well, I mean, you know? it's unnatural. Think about going out to a bar and having to yell over a band and how your voice, what your voice sounds like the next day it's when you, shot, yeah. you know, well, and you, you did it ring announcing sure. for wrestling. Yeah, yeah. you would you shred know? your voice on a right. Saturday night. It's not designed to be used that way, yeah. and certainly not designed to be used that way night after night in your sixties. Right. You yeah, know? yeah. My take on it though is, I mean. I saw them in two thousand nine on the Sonic Boom tour, and I took my son, and we had a good time. And there were the issues there, and like, but when you're in the arena, it's not quite that noticeable. No, no. But I got the, uh, it's like the instant live thing, a USB yeah. wristband, to where you can listen yep. to what you just heard. And I plugged it in, and we started playing it. And they get into Strutter, and when they got into Strutter, I was like, oh, this is bad. And like, and my son was like, is that the same show that we were at? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, it sounds so different. So. My take on it, I don't begrudge anyone who goes and sees Kiss and has a great time. No, I should. Ho- I hope you can. Do it while you can. My personal opinion, I saw him in 2009, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to stop here. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go see him anymore. Just because I want to remember Paul sounding close to the way I want yeah. Paul to sound. Yeah. If you go see him and you love it, great. But... You know, but as far as Tommy and Eric in the band, I'm fine with that. I, you know, I liked stuff on Sonic Boom and on Monster. I thought Monster yeah, was too. a pretty underrated album. I, I think a lot of fans view things through the spectacle of the originals. Right. Well, that's unavoidable, man. You can't, you know, legend looms large with those guys. But it also, it, that's just a. I think it also depends on so when, you, true. when you got yeah. into the band. 
Like I got into the band during Crazy Nights, so I'm fine with them not having Ace and Peter. I that's how I got into them. Right. So I guess maybe depending on what era you get into them, you'll either will be more or less accepting of what they're doing now. I wasn't crazy about the makeup thing, and I'm still not super great happy about it. What do you mean? But cool. with with Tommy and Eric wearing oh, the wearing makeup. The... But at this point, they've been doing I mean, it over would, a decade I, now. It's yeah. kind of like you, you got to let it go at this sure. point. Sure. I mean, we could always still sit here and talk about they should have had their own characters, their it own makeup, cool. which, yeah. which would have been cool. To me, I think that would have been great, but I do understand where they're coming oh, from. from with well, I mean, even when they do the new costumes, they announce they're going to do new costumes. I always dork out on that, like, oh, man. Oh, I costumes. loved it. Yeah. And then they do it, yeah. and it's kind of like. Those are kind of new costumes. They're not, Sorta. you know, they don't really go. You wanted to see it be a little bit more original. Yeah, I was like, yeah. The, you know, like, I mean, oh, these are two different eras of Ace Frehley costumes yeah. melded into one and given to Tommy yeah, Thayer. That's pretty much what, they more or less what it is. Yeah, and it's like, who knows how much input he even has into that stuff. I'm sure Paul designs the, the majority of that stuff anyway. But yeah. Gene Simmons circles your neck with yeah, a then, Sharpie and says, what is this? Why does he say anything about Tommy's head being too large? Let's get rid of the, oh, oh. I can't wait for this one to come out. <laughs> Here comes the hate mail. Oh. Throw another log in the fireplace. It's Christmas in July. And now, deep thoughts with Gene Simmons. Some days as I sit in my palatial mansion, reminiscing of the thousands of women that I've ruined for other men, the truckload of money that I've made, power and the excellence of being a worldwide rock god, and the millions of men that would give their left nut to be me, and all I ever really wanted was for someone to hold me. do this thing once a month where we become a kiss podcast for a month and i have friends that host other kiss shows and you know we love the kiss fans there's they're as devoted as anyone you'll ever meet absolutely but uh i could not do it year round because you guys are devoted as anyone it is a special breed yeah for sure i'll tell you what man it was uh when i was i was in high school and i worked for pizza hut i delivered pizzas for pizza hut and keep in mind, this is a uh, would have been crazy nights hot in the shade era that about that time, and mm-hmm. and I was the you know this is jean jackets with buttons on it era yeah you know? I had so I got my kiss and makeup buttons on I'm delivering pizzas you know and I go to this guy's apartment I'll never forget this and the, the dude's like oh yeah man kiss whatever happened to those guys <laughs> and I was like they just played the Civic Center Peoria Civic Center. Like three days ago, I saw like six thousand people there, man. But like they were just a, at that point, <laughs> they, they, were, they even though they still yeah. had, they were on the charts. Yeah, that version of the band didn't register no. to people. And this guy was right. probably I in his, I went through you know, late twenties, early thirties. And I got, I used to get hacked on, dude. I mean, oh, me hard. Too. Me yeah. too. People wanted to kick my ass yep. for wearing those buttons. Oh, you know? the the eighties were a hard time to be a fan. Oh, man. big time. I had so many people in my and like yeah, it's like nineteen ninety, and I'm in my school. And I've got my notebook, you know, the notebook with the clear plastic. Yeah. And I'd always put like pictures from like the dynasty era in sure. there. 
And I'd have friends going, what the fuck is that? And, then they, and I'm like, that's Kiss, man. That's like the greatest band ever. And they're like, if that turns you on, I guess it's cool. And I'm like, right. oh, fuck you, yeah, man. You get what you gotta, well, I, I always remember, too, like being the young kid and the older kids would be like, everybody was like, for a minute there, I was like, I felt like I had to hate Guns N' Roses. I was like a closet Guns N' Roses fan because it was like, and Metallica, too, because it was like everybody loved Guns N' Roses and Metallica, right. yeah. but I loved Kiss. And it's like, what's wrong with you? You know, look at Metallica, look at, you know, Guns N' Roses. They're so awesome. How Assimilate. Can you, how can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I fought against it so hard, but I'd like secretly at night be at home listening to Appetite for Destruction. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, didn't, I, dude, I, I didn't want nobody to know I was a GNR fan. You know, I, I didn't want nobody to know I like Metallica. Man, come to my house and I'd ram that shit down their throat, man. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, man, you got to check this cut off the Paul Stanley solo album, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to hear any more Kiss albums, man. Like, oh, I did that to all my friends. Yeah, yeah. me too. I Sorry, when, guys. Uh, Extreme Close Up came out, I, the VHS. <laughs> yeah. I brought that over and like my f- best friend Wes, who is, he was all about anthrax overkill megadeth yeah and i'm like we're gonna watch this kiss video and he's like oh <laughs> fuck man and like i i put it in and like the video for sure knows something comes on he's like what is this fairy bullshit and he's like i'm not watching this this is a kiss video where's the tits man this Although ain't I, right he got into him when unholy came on mtv yeah because like, yeah. that was a shit, big return the, thank saw, you Vinny. yeah he, yeah yeah he saw it I'm sorry before, he saw it before me and it came on at like 11 o'clock at night and i'll still i'll never forget this he pissed off my parents because he called me at like 11 30 at night on a landline back <laughs> and my parents are like who the fuck is calling you at 11 o'clock at night and i get on the phone he's like dude i just saw kiss's new video and it's fucking good and i'm like this must be good if you're saying this yeah yeah because he was like gene gene simmons was singing the song too because back then it was yeah. all paul it was always right. paul singles yeah so then I, he was like you got to stay up and watch for this so i waited like five out i was up all night waiting to see it oh and they man. showed it at like four in the morning and I watch it going, oh my god, what is this? But I like, I was a fan of Crazy Nights. I loved it, but I was like, this is different. Yeah, you know? it's tough to listen to now, man, because it's the production on it is so. You don't like the dated. production on the Crazy Nights? No, I thought you meant oh, Revenge. Revenge. Oh, Revenge. Revenge is great. I'm not a huge fan of that record in retrospect, but uh-huh. um, just I don't know, man. I, I like it, but I they, they kind of suck their own dicks too hard on that one, man. Like they're really, really, <laughs> you know what I mean? They keep treating that as like this Destroyer Part Two, and I know a lot yeah. of people. If you guys are of the ilk that feels that way. I just don't think it's that. Man, it's got some good. moments on it, though. No, I still love it. does, it. but it's still got some... I mean, there's no, like, read my body level right. stuff on it. That's but, what a lot of people say is that it's overrated because it was like they wanted you to think that it was tougher. But really, outside of Unholy, it was really another just another kiss album. No, it's right. really not that heavy. I mean, there's there's some cool... They're paralyzed, you know. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but I mean, I like Thou Shalt Not. Thou Shalt pretty Not, heavy yeah. Too. I, I just like the direction of it, but you know I can see where some people like that's eh, it's overrated. It's I just like that when it came out that I was able to say to my friends, "Listen to this." Yeah. Now I've yeah. been talking about Kiss and telling you how cool they are. Here's the proof. You know, it's yeah. only taken six years. Yeah. You know, me talking about it, but here it is. You know, and unholy, it's awesome. They didn't help you with forever. You know, two no. years before. That. <laughs> no, yeah, and then let's segue on from there to every time I look at you, which right, that's a crap ballad. That's a that's a horrible song. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. That was a crass it. attempt thought, to follow up forever. I yeah. always thought they were trying to rip off um, everything I do. I do it for you by Brian Adams. Oh, you remember God. that song? I don't if know why they want to rip that off. But it's listen, right on it the same level, hit. though. That's yeah. why they wanted yeah. to rip it off. Money. But if you listen to them back to back, you'll hear very similar stuff. It's very mm. similar in tone. But yeah, and, and yeah. they, just just another way to knock Brian Adams down on the pay scale a little bit by playing one of his songs. Because <laughs> yeah, Brian, Brian helped write. Uh, yeah, he's got track some co-writes for uh, for yeah. Preachers, right? Preachers of yeah. the Night. 
He wrote War Machine, right? Yep. Yeah. Whoever right. thought Brian Adams would have written War Machine? That's a strange story. Didn't somebody tell us the story that he like Gene just kind of put his name on it, changed like yeah, one or two yeah, words around? Words Him and Jim yeah. Valance wrote it together, and they brought like pretty much a completed song to Gene, and Gene's like, "It needs another verse," and they're like, "No, it doesn't. It's fine." He's like, "No, it needs another verse, and it I need to write my name it. on it." Yeah, and that's exactly. basically what he's saying. Yeah. And then he's like, and then they're like, "No, Gene, we don't think it needs another verse. We like it the way it is." And he goes, "Well, if you want it on a kiss." Kiss album, it needs another verse, and I need to write it. And they're like, "Oh, I see what you're doing." Yeah, I see what you're doing yep. there. So they're like, "All you right, go right damn ahead. It. You get to be a co-writer now." They did that to a lot of people. I just, yeah, I'm sure nothing. that's not the only time that happened. You know, who no. knows? I mean, I've always wondered too the the Vinny era stuff. How much of that was actually, you know, I'm sure technically they were co-writes, but you know that you know those are Vinny lyrics and stuff yeah. that stuff is so oh, yeah. it's so signature to him especially if you listen to the first invasion album you're like yeah. okay i yeah, see where like, lick it up came from i mean right. cuz it's the same the yeah. same story the yeah it's like some of the lyrics Boys are going to rock stuff like that some of the lyrics yeah. on lick it up are not paul or gene lyrics no, they're no. Vinny lyrics yeah a little bit more extreme you know but i don't know so how how many times have you seen him live uh oh god i don't even know anymore i, I didn't see him uh until the cra- Crazy Nights tour was the first time I saw him, and I think I've pretty much seen him on every tour since that. Yeah. I did see the Revenge tour to about a three-quarter empty, very small arena. In Illinois? Yeah, and was just really bummed out, man. Cause was that Champagne? No, it was uh, Springfield, Illinois. Oh, okay. Um, Prairie Capital Convention Center. <laughs> Is that yeah. the show where Paul lost his voice? No, he was... He was on, or no, I'm uh, thinking of St. Joseph, Missouri. On the Revenge Tour in St. Joseph, Missouri, <clears throat> Paul had laryngitis, and Gene had to sing all of his songs. Oh, God, how did that Which go? was wow. a, a comical disaster from what I've heard. It happened. It happened <laughs> Gene can't remember his own lyrics, much less Right. Paul's. I think on Crazy Nights that happened, too, in like Mississippi or something. There's a bootleg of that. <laughs> I um, hear that. All right, Gene, tonight's the night. We're going to finally break out my way live. <laughs> yeah, and you get to sing it. <laughs> it's, all, it's all you, buddy. I love that song, man. <laughs> oh, you can't lo- be serious. I love that song. I mean, it's hokey, but, oh, but it's that record, all... I mean, Turn On The Night is, is such a great Turn On yeah. The Night chorus. is a very I mean, underrated. That should have been a hit. It I, I never understood why that. I mean, that video is stupid. But I love that video. Oh, <laughs> Looks well, like the special effects from a sci-fi network show or something, but with that rooftop that thing. Was cutting that, edge in 1987. Yeah. Sure <laughs> <laughs> My friend Chris was at the state of State of the art. And I was, like, that, I was like, what was it like being on top of that building with the helicopters going overhead? He's like, uh, no, they didn't film it on top of a building. <laughs> they didn't burn that Porsche in Reason to Live either, just so you know. Oh. <laughs> they blew up the model. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, that, all that stuff, those, that, that whole era, you know, if I had to, I was gonna be stranded on a desert island. And I could only have revenge or crazy nights. I think I might take crazy nights. Man. I would. Well, that's a tough one, but yeah, maybe pound yeah. for pound song wise. I like Paul's crazy contributions nights. are better on crazy nights, except for. Although I think Gene's songs on that album have aged better than Paul's have most for the most. Yeah. Part. yeah. I still but like the Wendy Williams like, version of Thief in the Night. I like Gene's version better, but uh, I can't. I just can't get into Wendy's vocals. Such as they are, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Rest in peace. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Rest but in yeah, peace I, with I your that, sledgehammer. That, that record was, uh, her record was great. That they, you know, that was, oh, it's another Kiss album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Essentially the like the Lost Kiss record. I, mean, I think they brought those guys in to sing on it. They had a recut. Well, they did recut all that stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. You know. They recorded that at the same time Creatures was recorded. Yeah. And it sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Similar production. Gene had a thing. That's like those, 
that keel record had yeah. that same sound to it. All that stuff he's he's put his his a uh, his hands in has always kind of had. I always thought um, so it worked for me. It'll work for you. Easier said yeah. than done. Should have been on a side. Yeah, yeah. It sounds just yeah. like a song God, it on does a side. I never even thought with about Gene that. singing it. I, I like could totally that. hear Gene sing that song. Oh yeah, it's a great Keel song. Yeah, but now I don't know. I just. That's cool that you got into them during the 80s, too, because like a lot of we've talked to a lot of people that are more originals only. You know, they just want the Ace and Peter era. But, yeah. But there's such a f- full history to get into. Well, the 80s were a hard sell, man, because they didn't have an identity in the 80s. You know, they were right. basically kind of doing what everybody else was doing. They were trying to see what Motley Crue was doing this year. Or bon Jovi. What, or Bon Jovi. Yeah. And they were, it was like, you know, I mean, everybody kind of followed those two, you know, yeah. bands. That's what it, I mean. I guess because those are the two bands that consistently sold and were uh, making the money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. And it was it's tough, man, because the the thing too that people don't always consider with Kiss is, and I, I didn't think about this at the time because it just never dawned on me, but um, they were several years older than all those bands too, and I didn't right. get the uncool part of them being old dudes. You know what I mean? I right. thought, you know, it's, but you know, as I've gotten older, I realized, oh shit, man, a lot of people probably just didn't think the chicks didn't think they were hip anymore because they were old dudes you know they were trying to old dudes looking young and stuff and yeah you know gene once the makeup was off let's face it there was not a good period for him no work in that i mean i don't give a shit what kind of wig you put on that that just ain't you can't dress that that pig up you know know. (laughs) that that was an expression i wasn't referring to gene specifically as a pig i'd like to clarify but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like you just can't, you right? Just, you just can't. <laughs> no matter how many bedazzles and pink things, yeah. And, you know. Oh, the asylum era was so Ugh. tragic for those guys. Yeah, the, the Phyllis Diller phase. Right. Of just not. They just all look like golden girls. Well, I always, you know, I always referred to Gene during that period as Maud of Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. You couldn't fix that though. I mean, what what could they? What else? I don't know what else they could have done. There's, sort of just like. Well, you, know, you gotta you hear the stories the too. Route. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Because if you look at that, like, you know, and the story always was, was, you know, once the makeup came off, who's Gene Simmons? You know, he's not the demon now. He's yeah. not blowing, you know, he's still breathing fire, but he's not spitting blood. He's not, you know, doing the the things that he did when he was a demon. He isn't able to transform like oh, yeah. he did before. But then when revenge comes out by that time, you know, then it's back to the leather. And then it kind of is like the leather. to make road, a little more you know? sense. Then. And then it made sense. You know, it's yeah. like. This is Gene Simmons again. Which this you is... can thank Guns N' Roses for that. Yeah. Because they went to that no frills look and right, everyone yeah. followed suit. Yeah. Guns N' Roses effectively killed the hair metal look. Like, but even back in Asylum, couldn't like Paul Stanley have done like the fluorescence and all that and Gene Simmons just leathered down? He could. You know, have. and I think it still would have been okay. But I guess they wanted that uniform look. I guess. But it didn't work for Like, me. Gene, yeah, if we let you dress cool, then we got to let Eric and Bruce dress cool too, you know, and somebody's got to dress like me. I'm not, can't, can't be the the only one wearing body glove stuff <laughs> well it's funny too because they when they went through that whole phase it was about a three-year phase mm-hmm. maybe four where they did that and i thought man all i could think back to was in so many interviews they've made the the comments about we couldn't pull off what the new york dolls did we were too big right to be glam it's like what did you why did you think it was a good idea in your late 30s to do it right it didn't yeah. work when you were in your 20s 20, it's, not, yeah. it's certainly not going to work now that's true you know oh man. Huh. yeah you're right and they and they did they had every bit as much makeup on as David Johansson did. That's for sure. So sure, mm. you know, that's for sure. That's crazy, man. I learned a lot here today, man. This is fun. <laughs> that's with the filter on too. 
Yeah. We'll take it off. Let's go. Come on. Let's Next week, Daddy will be back uncensored. All right. Who's really a woman? Let's Everybody have it gets out. fired. Yeah. Maybe Vinny from uh, things I've heard. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got yeah. an Adam's apple. It's just been yeah, we've sprayed over. Yeah, I've still got my, fil- my filter on about some of the stuff I know, so I'm not going to oh. do that. Good. But not, but Denny. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the band, though. I mean, because we're here to also plug your band. There's another band besides Kiss. Yeah, they're called the Great Affairs. Oh, and there's two. Denny's been a part of the local Nashville scene here for a while, and and I've listened to most of the stuff you've done, the different bands you've been in. I loved Bombshell Crush. Thank you. But um, and I've listened to other Great Affairs stuff, and then he sent me this the the digital version of this album a few months ago. And I listened to it, and I honestly, I came right back to him, and I was like, "This is the best work you've done." And it, Thanks, it, it is, and the the combination you have with this group of guys is really good. And like, tell people a little bit about the band. Well, it's a, uh, you know, after Bombshell Crush folded, um, some of those guys we kind of just carried over, and you know, reconfigured that a little bit, and we did this thing called Former, mm-hmm. and we did it. You know, we had a couple EPs and a couple LPs out with that. And in between those, I had written a bunch of songs that didn't really fit the former thing. They were a little more like a, you know, like a Ryan Adams kind of, a little more stripped down, Americana, for lack of a better term, kind of stuff. And uh, so I kind of broke off with my guitar player, Patrick, and and worked on that for a while. And then we had a little kind of interband crisis thing that happened, and I had to uh, call in a favor and a buddy of mine, Kenny Wright, uh, is a drummer came in and subbed some former shows. We were, we had some, some road stuff booked and he came in and subbed a couple things on, on short notice and it just kind of stuck, man. And, and he's a great lead singer too, which took a lot of heat off of me because I had never wanted to be a singer. And to this day still do not, that's nothing I ever, pictured myself doing i just wanted to be a guitar player and write songs and uh so that took a lot of the load off of me because he's a a, a really good writer and a great singer so now we have two lead singers Mm -hmm. and a great drummer and and this lineup is solid you know everybody gets along It's, it's i know that's a generic thing to say but i love these guys and you know it's 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 easy to make music and that's not always Mm-hmm. easy to find you know, right. it's, it's right. usually there's always there's always the one squeaky wheel most of the time there's two or three of them and and with this it's uh it's pretty smooth sailing so um I, and i am I, again i'm really proud of this record too because this is really the first thing that we've all four been able to really you know pour ourselves into 100 percent. when we did the last record uh one of the guys is dealing with a, a family member that was was sick and we kind of had to work around a lot of uh, adverse uh, situations with that and we couldn't really give it 100% all four of us and this is the first time we were able to really knuckle down and mm-hmm. do something that we were all really proud of so nice I'm, I'm glad that you dig it man it, oh it, I love it we really, it. really did bust our asses on this thing yeah it's I mean it's definitely one of the best things I've heard out of Nashville but like I send it to other people that do shows and stuff and I'm like this is this is good on a national scale, not just a local scale. Because you know you'll hear local bands where you're like they're good for a Nashville band, but this is above that. Like I, this is something you would want to go to a record this store. This is and something buy. that people need to hear. Yeah, yeah. And there's a Kiss connection to the artwork. 
<laughs> yeah, that's Kenny's uh that's Kenny's pinball machine on the front. That's his, yeah. his pinball machine. But yeah, nice. fully functional. Right on. Free play. Uh, oh, Set we have to play. we have to come see that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually uh Peter in a in Hotter Than Hell for a while. He's done the tribute thing. He's, oh, no kidding. Because he does the like I said, oh, okay. we covered we did that cover of Hard Luck Woman, and it's about as accurate. I mean, it's a stock cover. We did he insisted on it being exactly I in fact I played one note wrong in the intro lick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got the first rough mixes back. He's like, man, there's something's not right at the top of the song. He's kind of doing yeah. that under his breath thing. And I was like, I was like, what is, what, what is it, man? He's like, I think you're, I think you're playing that lick wrong at the top. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's a cover, man. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and he's like, well, we got, we got it. We got, no, we got it. You got to fix that, man. You got to fix that. So I had to go back in and cut. He's a purist. to recut that. He totally is. Cause we did that. We did a Fleetwood nice. Mac tune and I sang the Fleetwood Mac one. So some liberties were taken there, yeah. but that, Hard luck woman, man. It was, and we even got heat for it because I I posted a link to it on Metal Sludge Gossip Board, uh-huh. and it got pretty much unanimously solid reviews. That's a, that's a except one guy said, "I'm not even going to listen to this. This is exactly like down to the, everything. Every drum beat is exactly like the original because right. it is, man. Yeah. There's not there's not a beat out of place on that thing. So, so. do I have uh-huh. your permission to use that as the playout song for this episode? Yeah, sure, go for it, man. There you go. That works perfectly. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. That was a blast, man. So, uh, Aaron, got anything to say before we uh, head out? No, man. This has been a lot of fun, Denny. I appreciate you coming over and celebrating Christmas in July yeah, with us. It was a blast, man. I, I, uh, I've been waiting to get on here for a while, so. Glad yeah, because you listen, you actually listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. On, you know, I don't, right I don't on. know that uh, Gary Corbett and Desmond Child are actually sitting around listening to the show. They it would totally be nice, are. It would be nice together. If they were. They're actually together right now. <laughs> Gene and Paul too. But you get extra cool points for that. Yeah, and they're lawyers. Paul, Paul, Gene is actually holding Gary underwater in the hot tub yeah. right now. Oh, God. Waterboarding you're, for you're, keyboard players. You're missing a great episode here, Gary. <laughs> All right, and on that note, we'll see you next week. If never I met you, I never had seen you cry. If not for a If never I had you, my feelings would never show. It's time I stopped walking by, there's so much that you'll never know.